nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. This is Once a a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing, and this is Leanne Meyer. I'm here today, or we're here today, to talk about burnout and about the flood of people leaving nursing. As many of you know, I graduated from a diploma nursing program at a time when they were about to be phased out. The training I got was perfect for me because what I learned in a class in the morning, I experienced in the hospital in the afternoon. We did a quarter, um, three months, I guess that would be, um, of team leading in which we acted like a head nurse in assigning patients, dealing with doctors, other departments, patients, and family complaints. Still, when I got onto my first unit in Denver on my own, I went through a bit of reality shock. Knowing that that kind of leadership training is rare now, I can only imagine what new nurses must go through in their first real job. Add to that the acuity of patients now, inconsistent styles of leadership out there, and not a lot of training in conflict resolution. I can imagine the pressure of the job is intense. So that's why I'm very happy to have my guest here with me, uh, Len Robinson. He has a varied background, which I'll have him talk about in just a minute here. Um, Because we're going to be talking about burnout, um, I'd like to just start out so people can get your voice. Uh, Just give like a a bullet points of how you came to be a nurse and then how you came to be here. Yeah, first I'd like to say uh, thank you, Leanne, for having me here today. And uh, I thank you for this platform, which I believe is uh, one of a kind and it's much needed. So thank you, thank you for all that you're doing. And um, I, uh, I have a long uh, story and I will try to keep it brief. <laughs> um, my story, um, how I came to nursing and in particular, I'm, I'm a nurse anesthetist. I've been practicing for about 17 years and um, what brought me to nurse anesthesia? Like I said, it's a long story. I'll give you the, the bullet points. I, I was uh, pre-med and I was this overachiever, had it, my life planned out. I was also, um, I'm thinking if I don't get into med school, I wanna be a Marine Corps fighter pilot. So I went through Marine Corps officer training And all I had to do was finish college and either apply to med school or go on to get my commission in the Marine Corps. Yeah, so I I was thinking if I didn't get into med school, they would certainly take me later as a ex-Marine Corps fighter pilot. So I had it all planned out. Unfortunately, I was dealt a bit of a curve and I was diagnosed with a sarcoma at age 22, really? just months before I um, wow. graduated. So, um, as you can imagine that, um, and I was going to talk about that a bit, kind of set me on a tailspin. And uh, to make a long story short, I spent 
most of my adult life reeling from that and trying to figure out my purpose in life. Right. And um, and eventually, I I worked as a chemist and I at 3M and I worked uh, as a nursing assistant and I I met a nurse anesthetist and I thought wow that's that's pretty cool I want to do that so that would be the next best thing so I worked uh, a week later I was enrolled in a, a post-baccalaureate nursing program and I was in nursing school finished nursing school and um, then I worked in hearts well no I uh, let me see I worked in the ICU at the University of Minnesota then I worked in heart surgery for about seven years as a first assistant before I went on to um, anesthesia training. Um, so yes, it was it was a long journey, uh, and the reason I became a nurse was because of a couple very special nurse anesthetists out there that kind of paved the way for me. So great. Yeah. So we'll probably touch on some of the other things too as we go along. Um, I am so fascinated with this topic in particular um, because I know that there are a lot of people that are uh, struggling with it. It's pretty hard to be in nursing with all the things that we are exposed to and uh, whatever is already within us that our fears or um, feel like weaknesses to us are, are bound to come to the surface. So anybody who's working in nursing and is able to stay in nursing, I think, has to keep addressing those real issues and work on growing and developing themselves. So um, just kind of give me, I know that this uh product that you're you're uh, developing now is out of a company you're calling Illumination. Yeah. And um, it's like a Illuminate, but it's Illum and then A and then Nation. Correct. So tell me a little bit about how you came up with that idea and that name. Yeah. Um, I have been working in as a, I'm also a uh, master level uh, life coach and I have been working in various capacities as a coach um, I found that coaching is really illuminating uh, ideas within an individual and illuminating uh, knowledge that they are capable of solving just about any issue that they encounter and I just I, I kind of clung to that that I like that feeling of illumination mm -hmm. and clarity because in society in our society today there's mm -hmm. so everyone is uh, kind of living life frantically and and with blinders right. on and I, I right. so I, I like that concept of illumination that's pretty much exactly what I got when I read it and I thought I wonder if that was what you were thinking of because I am just really feeling like part of what I'm trying to do here is give um a foundation to people, particularly nurses, that things have been bad in the past, things have been crazy, you know, and all every generation gets their own dose of it, and that we will, like other generations, come through with great ideas, and if we can interact with people in a positive and open way, accepting way. So when I read that, that said to me, you're the kind of person I want to talk to. <laughs> so, Thank you. Um, all of this idea of, of looking at burnout requires that we look at well-being of nurses. And I guess I'm curious why this level of interest for you? 
Yeah, um, as a nurse anesthetist, um, maybe a little more uh, quick background. I I worked as uh, a nurse anesthetist um, starting in uh, what was it, 2002, and I'm. During that time, I was still trying to find my my purpose in life. I was still really struggling with what I had gone through with cancer and the unknown. And um, I was I, I could I guess it's fair to say that I was somewhat selfish and entitled. And when I finished anesthesia school, I I felt that now that I've I've worked hard, I've paid my dues. Now I'm going to go out and find happiness. And I looked for happiness in the wrong places, and that was things, material things. So I, I bought a cab, and I had a boat. I, I Now, as a result of all the things, I had to work really hard in order to pay for all of that. Anesthesia is a good profession, but I had not balanced what it takes to uh, maintain all of that. And as a result, I worked far too many hours, 60, 80 hours a week, multiple facilities, and I became burned out. And so I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel that 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 feeling of apathy and disconnectedness and all those things that go along with burnout. And therefore, I, I when I see other people experiencing it, it really, it really affects me. And I first recognized this. Um, let me say this: I'm in the twilight of my career. You could say. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm, I'm 55, and um, and I want to see nurses that are entering the profession to feel just as proud and gratified and accomplished as nurses of my generation. Unfortunately, in many cases, that is not the case. I, uh, I've kind of pulled out of the acute care settings, uh, hospital work, and I work in a lot of surgery centers and endoscopy centers and things like that. Therefore, I meet a lot of wonderful nurses that have left the acute care setting, and it's for the same reason. They get burned out. Mm-hmm. And um, What are some of the things you hear them say? What is it exactly in that environment? Um, is it the leadership? Is it the unit themselves? A lot of times people will say people don't leave uh, hospitals, they leave managers. So if the manager, they, they could be the hospital, could be fantastic, but if the manager they have is not meeting their needs, um, that's why they leave. Absolutely, all of those things. And I think, in fact, I... I do have a paper I wrote about this, and I, I talk about each of these areas, um, why people leave the hospital, why they become burned out, and um, maybe we could talk about that sure. in, in maybe a little more detail. Um, first, I'd like to just say that um, you know there, there are, what, 2.9 million nurses in the country. It's the largest professional workforce. That is, people uh, requiring formal education. Nurses is mm-hmm. the largest um, segment of our workforce. Uh, the changes that are taking place are dramatic. People are 
you know, just briefly, I, uh, getting back to what you were saying, the amount of acuity, the the um, the hours, that technology, all of these things, they they cause um, an accumulation of stress. And I guess, uh, Leanne, again, it breaks my heart to hear these stories and witness the frustration and overwhelm of both young and older nurses. And um, let me give you a case in point. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you a story? Sure. So this uh, is a story of a young nurse that happens to work in a endoscopy center now. Her name, I'm going to call her Jennifer. This is not actually her name, but just for uh, to, to keep uh, this private. Sure. We'll call her Jennifer. Jennifer was telling me a story about uh, five years prior to this uh, time we had talked just a few months ago. She was working in a, um, a hospice unit in northern Minnesota at a very busy hospital, busy hospice unit. And she was the charge person this this night shift. And um, she had a patient that was expected to expire throughout the night. And she had a full caseload, all of her, all of her um, colleagues had full assignments. And yet she was called by the supervisor and said they were going to get another admission. And Jennifer indicated that, well, according to the matrix, staffing matrix, we're full. We, you know, we can't take another. And of course, that didn't. They overrode. Yeah, they overrode. They mm-hmm. and she admitted the patient. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what what happened is that later that night, uh, this patient did expire that she knew was going to expire. And I've never worked hospice, but uh, what the routine is is for hospice nurses to bathe the patient before um, the family Family reviews. She didn't have time to bathe the patient. She didn't have time to spend with the family. Mm -hmm. And she said that it still haunts her to this day. And she she left that uh, hospice uh, setting. She says she misses it very much. But she cannot endure that anymore. So that's just an example of what. That makes a lot of sense to me, and that's you know kind of my experience and some of the experiences I've heard from other people too is that nurses are a special breed of people overall. I mean, there's positive and negative in every group, and um, but it, overall, my experience with nurses is they go into this field because they want to help. They want to do something. Um, they're not afraid of people's emotions. They're not afraid of, of um, being there in those really tough times uh, of people's peaks and valleys in their life. Um, but when they're not allowed or assisted to do the work that they were trained to do, their opinion doesn't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a professional, we should be able to say um, we're full. Mm-hmm. We are full, and that's what nurses are working at right now is to be able to have that uh, leeway to be able to not have somebody in a leadership position or a business position to tell you whether or not you're full. Um, what people don't realize is it's not just that you can't do your full um the care that you really want to give to those patients. Um, It's not just that you're doing a little less for everybody. It's those people who truly, truly need you in that moment. You can't be there for them. 
And that can be something that can play out throughout their life going forward. If they weren't able to come to terms with whatever that experience was for them, uh, it's just uh, devastating for a lot of people. It's life-changing. Yeah. We're coming up against uh, a break here, and I think this is a good spot to take it. So um, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And we're talking today about burnout and the flood of people who are leaving nursing. I'm here with Lynn Robinson, and he is um, just, I don't know, beginning, I guess, um, focusing his passion on dealing with burnout in nurses and, and seeing if with all the different ways that uh, he has learned in his life and has um, is now able to support nurses. We're trying to uh, figure out how to make that happen. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural, evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Once a nurse, always a nurse, exploring the world of nursing, and I am Leanne Meyer. If you're just joining us now, we're talking about burnout and the flood of people who are leaving nursing. Um, I'm talking with Lynn Robinson, and uh, what we just were talking about, Lynn was sharing an experience of a colleague who uh, was not 
being given the support to be able to do the job she was hired to do and not um, given the uh, the respect of, of understanding that when she said she was full, her unit was full and she couldn't take anything more on, they did not respect that either. So let's talk more about some of those symptoms. You know, is this just, you know, people have a once in a lifetime or once in a year kind of experience like this and it bugs them so much they can't let go of it? Or is it something else? Yeah, I can. Uh, thank you, Leanne. And um, I can talk about the insidious nature of burnout. I, I mentioned earlier that I suffered burnout and in my research I found that it is um, it's, it's a continuum of symptoms uh, from stress on one end to burnout on the other and unfortunately it can go further than burnout to suicide and the suicide among healthcare professionals, particularly doctors, has been getting a lot of press lately, a lot of publicity, and they've had this incredible um, initiative to address that. And unfortunately, nurse um, stress and burnout and suicide rate has not been studied yet to that extent. So something that hopefully in the near future they'll look at more closely. But um, yeah, it is an insidious uh, problem and um, and it occurs due to uh, frequent exposure to these low stress and sometimes high stress scenarios. Now the trick is to stop the progression before it stops you. Mm-hmm. And and it will not go away unless you make changes. And that's that's really the important thing. And the, some of the symptoms, I'll just go through them briefly. Uh, chronic fatigue, insomnia, impaired concentration, or impaired attention to detail. Then there are physical symptoms, headaches, GI upset, all these things. You'll, we'll see higher absenteeism, more frequent illnesses. And then there are eventually comes a cynicism or a detachment and that can include apathy and hopelessness moodiness and irritability and then eventually social isolation and then there's a lack of productivity and poor performance um, so that is uh typically the the symptoms and the presenting factors. You talk about it being so insidious and when it's happening at work, it's also happening at home. It's happening in all of the different environments that we put ourselves in. And many times, like you said, it's like watching grass grow where it's like the frog in the pot. It just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter um, without you realizing how much it is impacting oh I can handle this I can deal with this I can do that you know look at all the things I've done in the past and I can do this again and then it's like this that one more thing that just puts you over the top and everything seems to fall apart Um, so like you said until you actually deal with it it's not going away it's only going to get worse and I think for nurses we have a really hard time asking for help or accepting help Um, it's much easier for us to give the care that's what we like to do that's where we get our emotional paycheck but um, having to ask for help is really hard I know you have done some research about this Mm -hmm. um, and some of the causes of burnout. Um, Is there a list of those that you could kind of share with us? Yeah, this uh, is in my paper as well. Uh, This is 
if one were to kind of deconstruct the, um, the burnout process, uh, what you'd often find is that, and, and it's kind of a common, in my research, it's a common um, scenarios that lead to burnout and uh, disengagement and, and all those things. Uh, I think the thing that is most uh, dangerous is our staffing ratios. And uh, that's almost universal across the board that when people are burned out, it's usually because of the workload. But not only is it the workload, it's the fact that they're not able to, like you were alluding to, deliver the type of care that they've been trained for. The and reason have control they, over uh, the decisions. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, these are people that go into nursing for a specific reason because they have the, the nature, the character to provide this this type of uh, service or care. Mm-hmm. And when they're not able to do it, that's very, very damaging. Um, the other thing is the increasing acuity. Oh, let me just say this. Um, regarding ratios, there is both federal and state legislation that is going to be uh, hopefully addressing. There are bills at both the state and the um, mm-hmm. federal level. Hopefully that, that that will be addressed in the near future. Uh, next, it's the increasing acuity of patients, and we all recognize that uh, nowadays, um, you know, just about everyone is um, living longer. There's more obesity. Patients are, are sicker. It's projected that by 2035, um, the number of seniors with four or more uh, chronic diseases is going to double. So it's just going to continue to mm-hmm. to become more acute. Um the other thing is shift work. Shift work, it, I mean, any nurse can uh, attest to this. It, it contributes to performance, inefficiencies, errors, accidents, um, all of these things. And it, I was surprised to learn just to the extent to which shift work can lead to uh, health issues, sleep disorders, mental health disorders, uh, GI disorders, metabolic syndrome. Um, are you thinking in terms of changing shifts, like you'll have a day night or a day yeah. evening or something like that kind of shift? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, uh, that and also there's a you know a lot of people they feel well if I work the night shift I won't have to provide as much daycare, so therefore they work the night shift and yet they're up with their kids and so it, yeah. and it creeps up. I actually heard of a nurse that told me that she would come off night she had a two year old. <clears throat> so the two-year-old's up when she would come home, and she would put a leash on her arm to the baby, the <laughs> two-year-old, and then fall asleep. So the, the child could only go as far as that leash went, and if she got further, she'd wake up her mother. So, you know, what a two-year-old creative. does, um, you can imagine, you know, and, and then the frustration level, you're not getting any sleep. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it, shift work is awful, and anyone that's worked on call and anesthesia knows that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and then there's complexity compression, and that's a term that I was not familiar with until... I was doing research for my paper. It was a fascinating study conducted in 2007 by representatives of the Minnesota Nurse Association Mm -hmm. and also faculty from the uh, University of Minnesota School of Nursing. And this investigation revealed complexity compression, which is a phenomenon that nurses experience when they're expected to assume additional unplanned or unexpected responsibilities 
while simultaneously conducting their multiple responsibilities in a condensed time frame. Um, examples are, you know, like we talked about, increased security, increased technology, documentation, all these check marks, and all of this done in a shorter period of time. And this study revealed that 40% of the workday was shown to be taken up by these increasing demands. And um, therefore, it takes pay, um, I'm sorry, nurses away from the patients 40% of the time. So it's, uh, it's a real phenomenon, and I think... Uh, so basically, less time doing the things that actually make you happy as a nurse. Yes, very good. Yeah, that's exactly what I got out of it. So eventually what happens, the, the next thing is compassion fatigue. That's when nurses and other healthcare professionals feel this diminished sense of mission or don't derive the same sense of satisfaction from delivering care. And this growing uh, apathy steadily replaces empathy. And that's where it's a uh, uh, time for change. That's a, that's, well, a that's when you start having people complaining from the minute they walk onto the floor, uh, down downgrading or talking down other people that they're working with. Um, uh, very critical and judgmental. Yeah. Um, all of those things just, you know, everybody is already on edge, and then you feel like your comrades are, are not even on your side. Exactly. So um, you're there's a term for that. Alone. They call that the actively disengaged. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's uh, a very... Um, we used to call it quit and stayed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so that uh, compassion fatigue is a real thing as well. The other thing that happens is this fatalism um, and the belief that what will happen has already been decided and cannot be changed, so mm-hmm. why why try? Mm-hmm. In other words, we're just stuck and they get kind of, so they just exist. People just show up to work and they put in their time and it's, and then the last thing I'd like to talk about is uh, the lack of community. Community, I, I'm also a, um, a coach for veterans with post-traumatic stress. My wife and I run a uh, veteran service dog program called Project Delta, and I have had the opportunity to coach these amazing veterans. And, and your wife is also a nurse, right? Yes, yes, she okay. is. Um, Patty is amazing. She runs the uh, operation, and I'm just kind of the, <laughs> the go-to guy. I help with various tasks. Um but there's this lack of community uh, that, because of the com- uh, complexity compression, we're taken away from not only interacting with patients, but, but also interacting with the staff. Mm-hmm. And those interactions are key to being able to uh, um, ventilate and to right. talk about the issues maybe that have happened during this shift or the previous mm-hmm. shift. Um, veterans with PTSD experience the same thing. When they come home, they're no, they no longer have their comrades to to vent with, and then they're submitted to this society, this isolating society that we live in, and it's right. and it's very. And damaging. they feel like even if you know their wife or friends or whatever say, "Well, tell me about it. Talk with me." One, they don't want to say the horrible, horrible things that they're dealing with because. They don't want to lay that on these people they love. So instead, they push them away. Exactly. And then they're not with their contemporaries who experience the same things. And therefore, 
uh, could understand what they have to say. They just are also isolating from those people too. Absolutely. So, um, so those are the things that um, that really stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the things that are leading to uh, to burnout. So. Um, I, I keep, I've been dealing with this in my mind for years and years and years because I'm kind of in that, I'm 64, so I'm in that old nurse phase where, oh, well, we dealt with all that and we managed to do, you know, it's easy to forget how really hard it was when you were really mm-hmm. in the trenches. And um, I keep having the feeling, well, you know, are these nurses being trained in multitasking and being able to really, um, you know, throw the cards in the air and and reshuffle in the middle of the moment? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do that. I was fortunate enough to have some supervisors and managers who could. And whether I wanted it or not, they forced me to, you know, take a second, two minutes and just rethink what has to be done, what what do I have to do, what can somebody else do, what are my options, are there people on another floor that aren't as busy that could come to us for a couple hours, what could they do during the time? All these kinds of, of um, in-the-moment kind of problem-solving that I don't know if new nurses are being trained this way, and that's really concerning to me. Um, I feel like that's really, really important. And then the second thing is I really feel... Uh, concerned about um, people's ability to deal with conflict. Um, I don't know about other places, but Minnesota is known to be um, something like 80% of us deal with conflict through avoidance as our only or main way of dealing with conflict and are absolutely assured to themselves that this is the best way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, everybody around them having to deal uh, with somebody who won't address the real issues, it just gets worse and worse and worse. So. Um, I guess that's something I'd like to talk a little bit about when we come back from the break. Um, We're breaking a little early, but I think this might be a good spot to do it. So I'm here with Lynn Robinson, and we're talking about burnout uh, and the flood of people leaving nursing because of it. Uh, This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and we will be back in just a couple of minutes. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives. But most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural, evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. and welcome back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm here with Lynn Robinson, and we're talking about burnout and how it affects people and and that many people are leaving nursing because of it. So um, I had prefaced some questions I wanted to talk about before the break, but I think we need to go into more of some of the the costs to hospitals and then uh, what it takes to get past this, how we can actually change this. So, Lynn, if you could just give us a little bit about, I mean, hospitals are always saying, why should we do this? Well, it always comes down to cost. So mm-hmm. what's the um, benefit for them? Right. Well, thanks, Leanne. And, yeah, so what is uh, the cost of uh, burnout and turnover um, the fact is that uh, turnover affects overall morale and the bottom line. And in my research, um, I found that um, the turnover rate has gone up actually to, uh, 2% from 2016 to 2017, and that rate is 18.2%. And that that translates to um, uh, an average hospital losing 44 to $7 million a year. Um, so the, for the nurses that stay but remained in this burned out condition, what is the resulting cost of poor quality? And really that's incalculable. And how do you uh, calculate the cost of these intangibles due to burnout? Things like unreported errors or near misses, wasteful practices, willful blindness, increased infection rate, and then what about the impression of visitors or the organization's overall reputation? What What is that costing the hospital? And that's really not easy to calculate. And patient surveys don't tell the entire story. And empl- employee engagement surveys don't tell the story either. In fact, I love this quote. Uh, I think it was, I found it on Gallup. And uh, commonly organizations put too much emphasis on measuring engagement rather than on proving on uh, improving engagement Mm -hmm. and um, so Leanne I feel we need to stop surveys and take decisive action yeah I I 
got to involve myself in a lot of surveys, uh, even to the point of writing a survey by myself. I had no clue, no background whatsoever. Um, ended up writing like a 125 uh, question survey. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was a, a nightmare. Stuff, yeah. But it actually was, I guess the, the good thing of it is then we did connect with Gallup and started working with them. And we went from, I don't even remember the exact statistics, but I think we were pretty low in the engagement category. And we worked with them for about seven or eight years, and we were among the um, highest engagement across the country at that point. And then um, some new uh, uh, leadership came in, and everything went back the other direction. Another statistic I should mention is uh, 70% of a person's engagement is dependent on the leadership. So that's... Uh, yeah, it goes back to the people leave managers. Yeah, and therefore that's why I have this real, real intense interest in helping leaders. In and that leads us right into what, what are you thinking about as uh, how do we make this better? Yeah, I, I'm... Uh, Along with all of my other interests, I'm also an inventor and an entrepreneur. I have a patent, and and I have so I have this engineering mind, and um, and it's a it's a dichotomy um, because I've been both blessed and cursed with this engineering mind. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a blessing because I've had these great ideas and. Um, I've met some amazing people and had some fun, but it's also a curse because of the same reasons and um, and also this risk and uncertainty. So I, um, what I've done is I, I often use this uh, for designing products or services. I reverse engineer, and what I what I have done in this case uh, for. For the burnout crisis, I have reverse engineered a solution. So what I did is I started with, uh, in my mind's eye, envisioning what would it look like to have the perfect um, scenario for nurses. Why don't we just call that nurse nirvana? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, maybe someday. Not today, but someday maybe that will exist. So how do you get there and what would it look like? What I envision is in this nurse nirvana, a fully staffed unit, an engaged unit, collaborative unit, collaborative among staff and leadership, purposeful, not just collegial, but there would exist a true sense of community or tribe like we had talked about earlier, the the sense of community is vital. And then endless opportunities for creativity as well as personal and uh, professional growth. And there should be open and honest communication. Almost, I think most important of all is everyone should possess a crystal clear why, why it is that we are here, who are we really serving and, and how can we best provide that service. So many uh, times that's just um, words or it's a sign on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our; these are our core behaviors. These are our core values. But you don't see it. Right. You don't. The nurses don't see it in their life, and so to be able to show that to patients when they're not receiving it themselves makes it very, very difficult. Absolutely, and um, 
and in that nirvana, we'd we'd like leadership that's so good that every staff member would take a bullet for them. Um, I'm a, I'm a military guy, so I'm sorry <laughs> for all the military um, examples. But um, then there should also be an ongoing meaningful motivation. Motivation is key, and I think leadership is the source of that motivation. Obviously, we need intrinsic motivation, and um, but that's part of the process that I uh, have developed as well, or this uh, model I call legendary leadership. And um, so once these new staffing standards are met, we would, um, if we step back in that reverse engineering, we'd have leadership um, advanced toward mastery of these skills. And, um, and I think it's important to note that leaders are made rather than born a lot of people feel that well, I'm not, I'm not a good leader. But actually, anyone can become a good leader, as long as you have the the character and the values. And we're we're now kind of turning course, and we're realizing that the best leaders are those that support their staff really well, and in other words, serve their staff. Um, and there should be a commitment to change and to improve. And then this commitment from leadership to add skills that contribute to the development uh, of the staff's well-being. And this skill set includes leaders' coach skills, models, philosophies, and adopt a servant leadership mindset. There's also authentic leadership qualities and, of course, emotional intelligence. And we, in order to even begin this journey to this nurse nirvana we would have to have a commitment from staff to live on purpose and not merely drift through life but to make choices and to make um, to make uh, deliberate moves towards wellness and well-being and it would uh, require an acceptance from everyone that there is a problem and then there should be an agreement and commitment from all the players involved that a change needs to take place. So are you thinking of this uh, unit by unit, hospital by hospital, healthcare across the country? How are you kind of envisioning this? I'm, I'm currently working on a uh, pilot and uh, a pilot program. And what I would like to see this uh, occur in every hospital, obviously, across the U.S. But And I know there is a lot of leadership uh, philosophies and theories out there. I don't know. I'm, I'm biased. I guess I feel like this one is more practical, um, and it encompasses yeah, results oriented, and it encompasses not only uh, what goes on at work, but also at home. and And we're looking at the whole person, and I think that is is really important. And um, so I I have this in my, this legendary nurse leader in mind, and that's what I am calling this program. Uh, legendary nurse leadership and my hope is that um, nurse leaders will remain open uh, to consider these new skill sets and philosophies and also open to new implementation strategies and I envision first level nurse management as a linchpin to improving the well-being of nurses because they are there they are at the you know they're the most visible and available but it, again, it's going to require buy-in from administration, nurse leadership, and nurses in the trenches. 
So by that basic level, are you thinking in terms of the informal leader on a unit, uh, a formal position of maybe an educator, or are you thinking of management on a unit? You know, at this point, I I envision the nurse management learning these skills, and part of um, what I envision is uh, these nurse leaders implementing a coaching philosophy, and um, and also, uh, I'd like them to, to master these skills, and that would be promoting a zone of genius, mindfulness, presence, emotional intelligence, and the power of habit, how to master and manifest positivity, also stoicism, and how to develop a strong community. But to answer that question, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but, you know, it can be done. I, um, I have templates for it all but to answer that question who would be responsible the zone of genius is uh, I just love this concept and um, there is what we're good at and then there's what we're passionate about what if there were nurses on the unit that are very passionate passionate about wellness and well-being perhaps they could be the the leader the leader in this Mm -hmm. this realm Um, so you know it may require some uh, experimentation and uh, flexibility, but I think that these are the key components that I feel will make a enduring change. What it also takes is uh, the manager, when they're doing hiring, are looking at not just continuing to hire the same person, often themselves, over and over again, but... Um, really looking at who do we have that have these components? What are we missing? Has somebody just left? Is it, did they take with them uh, right. part of what made us a cohesive group? How do we find you know somebody who can bring in that and perhaps more uh, things with them? Absolutely. A quick story. My son just um, finished his capstone. He's doing a post-baccalaureate nursing program, uh, following in my footsteps, but mm-hmm. perhaps not anesthesia. Um, but he was fortunate to do this capstone in an ICU here in the Twin Cities. And the manager there absolutely blew my son away. He, This manager has changed that unit. In three years, he took a unit that was understaffed, poor morale. I mean, all these things that right. we've talked about. And he has absolutely flipped it. Mm-hmm. And. Now it's a unit that is fully staffed and engaged and happy, and the the staff are just raving about this gentleman. Mm -hmm. Um, And my son was very, very moved and and inspired by this. So it is possible. It just takes the right mindset. And one of the keys that this gentleman looks at when he hires is the character and the values of the nurses. Those are the things you can't teach. Right. Somebody comes in with them, they either have them or they don't. Exactly. Everything else can be taught. And I think if people come in, uh, you know, with that positivity, um, that no matter what you're looking at, you can look at the negative aspect of it or the positive aspect of it or anything in between. And we don't realize that we're making a choice. When we choose to look at the negative aspect and we talk about how negative this is and how terrible our leader is and how terrible this and how terrible that, that becomes what we create. Yeah, and um, I've had the fortune to be able to work with both leaders and co-workers who believed in doing the very best they could and supporting their, their cohorts and doing the same 
and having a manager who um, actually um, Betsy Stites was on this program the first show I did she did with me because she's been kind of my mentor but she was the kind of person she's you know about five feet two or something but uh, she had this incredible engaging laugh but she also had such a warmth and such a knowledge and um, wisdom uh, about each person, cared about each person, made sure she was not only bringing out the best, but also making sure that they acknowledged that these are some things you have to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people think, well, I'll just keep patting people on the back and the other things will go away. Well, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, many times we don't even know we have those problems. So um, I, I've ha- I've seen that happen. I know what it can be. And it, and it is... Um, Addictive, not addictive, that's not contagious. It mm-hmm. is contagious. When you start to see it and feel it, you want to be a part of it. Absolutely. You want to work really hard to make it happen. And I, and I do believe that um, nurses, they want to serve. They want to do their best job. And I do believe management, leadership, wants to provide these nurses with whatever it, it entails to do the, the best job that they can. So how do we make that happen? I, I feel that eventually a model like this is going to be the secret to turning around the, the exodus out of acute care mm-hmm. and reverse the burnout. Now, I think we need to get some administration on board to realize the importance of every nurse that is in the trenches and actually the, the face of their facility. They are the, the people that are actually the um, interface between mm-hmm. the patient and the facility. So yeah. we need to equip the nurses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a time, and I don't know if it was just that I had the fortune to be in the right place at the right time to be surrounded by people who were creating this kind of a positive environment. Um, and, and I know that things go in waves. It's, it's like uh, everybody you know, shifts in one direction and then it's like that's old hat and they go off in another direction. And it's always this pendulum swinging from one way to the other and then hopefully coming back to the middle. And I am so hoping that you and people like you uh, can again stimulate that hope. And the other thing is I'm really seeing, especially with um, nurse practitioners and a more uh, educated workforce, nurses that are coming in with a confidence that perhaps um, many other, when I came in with my diploma and I felt like I had to rely on the doctor and the doctor was going to tell me what to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't even necessarily think in terms of really taking control of the situation, just sort of deal with whatever came my way. Um, but I see these new nurses and particularly nurse practitioners are being taught to think of the unit as a whole group. Mm-hmm. So that includes the people who bring the linen, the people that um, do the C- CSR um uh, food, everything, the, the janitor or the housekeepers or whatever you call them. So I feel very confident that this can, ha- I know it can happen because I was a part of making it mm-hmm. happen. It took years. Um, but if, if nurses are stepping up and saying, this is what we want, this is how we want to move along, I think that is the thing that's, that's going to change this. 
We are unfortunately at the end of our program again. This keeps happening. Uh, so this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And Len Robinson and I have been talking about burnout and the flood of nurses leaving nursing, but also what can be done to help nurses uh, have a fulfilling career. So I hope if you're not having a fulfilling career, you lean in the direction of trying to make that happen. Uh, let's, uh, we will be back on again uh, next Monday and hope to talk with you then. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.